At one point, maintenance and asset management may have been viewed as just another cost center within a company. However, today's customers seek to maintain and maximize the health and performance of their assets via intelligent technologies such as IoT, machine learning, mobility, as well as advanced and predictive analytics. Which is why today I'm joined by none other than the innovative Jasper Luix. Joining us today from Belgium, Jasper is a digital supply chain solution advisor with a focus on SAP's asset maintenance and service portfolio. During his master's in management and IT, Jasper interned at a startup in New York as well as SAP. Soon after, he joined the SAP Pre-Sales Academy, where he was felicitated as the most innovative associate of his cohort. He has been a solution advisor ever since. As always, my name is Akshay Mola, and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Jasper, to the SAP Experts Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Akshay. So Jasper, as you know, in today's episode, we will be mainly concentrating on the wide world of maintenance and asset management and the role SAP solutions, especially S4 HANA, play towards making things more effective and efficient when it comes to maintenance. Now, I can already imagine some of the listeners when they hear the words maintenance, asset management, them going like, oh my God, boring. And then there's another niche crowd who are like, Wow, okay, this is, this is right up my alley. This is my episode. Well, either way, that's the reason why I have you today, because I remember during uh, the SAP Pre-Sales Academy cohort, you were awarded as the most innovative, right? By your peers, you were recognized as being the most innovative. So who better to talk to both these sides of the audience than somebody who can inject innovation in everything? which is why we have you here today to talk maintenance in an innovative, interesting, and fun manner. But before we dig deep into that topic, why don't you go ahead and introduce to our audience yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Jasper. I work for SAP in, in Belgium and also in Luxembourg. Uh, joined SAP a bit over than three and a half years ago. Uh, first as an intern, then through the academy, together with you. And uh, now the past three years, uh, been a, a solution advisor here working on maintenance. And yeah, on a more personal note, I, I like everything that has to do with new technologies. It really makes me exciting about uh, how we can then also put that into practice, into my job, into business. I'm about to get a dog, which I'm really, really excited for wow. uh, in a few weeks. And um, yeah, in general, so just a football fan. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, Jasper, maintenance is not often the hot topic, as I said earlier, right? When we're discussing digital transformation, we talk about strategy when we're talking about things like digital transformation. At the same time, when we're speaking of efficiency, about profitability, it is not something that can be ignored either. You know, you have to have your maintenance, your asset management in the right place to be able to be a profitable company. So tell us how you help customers create that red thread from why change and why now and why care about maintenance in the first place? Yeah, good question. I think it's a bit different for, for different companies and industries, of course, but 
what we generally see is that a lot of companies see maintenance more as like, a, let's say, a, a cost center or not really as a way to really innov- innovate and then do things differently and then realize that you can also add value to the organization by that. And very often they're either doing a lot of things manually in Excel on paper or they do it like in an older version of ERP, but there's not much innovation going on. And, you know, like recent years, the last five years, more and more companies are starting to realize that, you know, there are tools and then software and machine learning out there that can really do uh, great things for them. And it's exciting to, to be a part of that. No, you know, you bring up a great point, Jasper, because I come from the procurement world and often that was also seen as a cost center, as you said, right? And uh, folks would say, you know, and you mentioned Excel, right? Anything really can be done via Excel. Everything is possible on Excel. Uh, You could do things manually. Sourcing can be done. And the amount of RFPs I have filled in my lifetime, I know it can be done. But I also know as a person filling it out that how inefficient it can be. So you bring up a great point that, yes, can it be done manually? Of course, everything can be done manually. But is it the most efficient way to do it? And if we want to become this 21st century company who wants to survive all these unexpected changes that can happen in our world, is this the best way to compete? Don't we want them to be the most efficient? Do we want to, you might be having the most revenue, but you want, do you really want to let your company bleed out through these inefficiencies? Or do you want to adopt what is not even, I would say, technology of tomorrow. It is all present. Machine learning, AI, intelligent technologies, all of these are happening today and we need to get on the bus to be able to survive for tomorrow. So with that said, you know, you told us the importance of, okay, why change? Why now? But taking a step ahead of that, being an academy graduate, you know what the third question is going to be. And that is why SAP? You know, Nobody would go through an entire digital transformation just to get a shiny new software upgrade, right? It's not like how, you know, young folks, are they want the latest gaming console. They want the latest mobile phone upgrade. So how do you help customers answer that? That, okay, you have to choose SAP, you have to choose S4 HANA, but to talk the business value of that at the same time. Well, I I think in general, it always depends on on the customer and then their case, their use case, if we can actually help them, because that's the first thing, understanding their their processes and where we can add value. It's not indeed for the sake of just the software (laughs) upgrade. Um, But in general, yeah, a lot of customers are either doing a lot of things manual or if they're already SAP customers, maybe using plant maintenance and ERP. And yeah, thing is there there's so much room for improvement there's so many new things out there maybe they've been using this already for 10 20 years and they're oftentimes even not aware that sap is doing other things in the area of maintenance mm. um, and yeah sure there are other products uh, you know specific best of breed solutions for really specific cases that might be yeah might be better than ours but you know if you look at the bigger picture do you want a landscape with 30 37 different solutions that don't properly integrate and they're seeing the value of you know the integration with finance with hr with logistics with maintenance is a really big differentiator for a lot of our customers you bring up a beautiful point uh, jasper that do you want a frankenstein solution or do you want a one-stop shop solution that talks to each other you know uh 
do if you somebody wants to create the perfect bird and they're like okay i want to add the wings of an eagle the neck of a swan the legs of a flamingo oh my god that's a scary looking bird or you can instead have a swan or a duck that can swim that can fly that can do everything right and i can walk uh, and I think that's where the difference, the advantage comes into the picture that having a one-stop shop that talks to each other. I don't want to come into my work and log into 20 different profiles to get my work done. I want my one profile. I want my Fiori tiles. I want role-based solution that talks to me. That's about me. That's That surrounds me. I don't want to be surrounding each of my solutions. I want them to work for me. And that's a beautiful point that you bring up. And the second point that you also brought up, Jasper, was the fact that... Uh, Many people who have been using ERP or SAP ERP for 20 years, 10 years, they don't even know the art of the possible, what's possible, where the world has gone today. They might see maintenance cost center. Oh, my God, that gets done. But they might not even see the amount of intelligent technologies that are in the game. And I know I see the smile on your face and I know this is your topic. You're all about intelligent technologies. So tell us more about it. Uh, no, I, I, I wanted to come back to what you said uh, about um, a lot of people who have been already long time on, let's say, ERP, who are not aware of that, because a funny, funny story that I was just thinking of. Last month, I was at an event, uh, you know, a two-day event physical with, cust with customers walking around, a lot of other companies as well, partners, competitors. And this this guy walked up to me and, you know, I'm at the booth of SAP and, and you know, we start talking and he says, you know, after introducing each other, he says, yeah, look, I was just at this company, a competitor, and they said SAP is only finance. And, <laughs> and so I yeah, was like, right. okay, it's funny that uh, that they say that. Um, and then, you know, we started talking and I started explaining. I showed him some, some things in the system and then showed some use cases and then customer cases. And he was like, you know, we've been using SAP for 20, 30 years already. Mm -hmm. And he he knows everything there is to know about maintenance, a lot more than I do. Mm -hmm. But he was like, yeah, I didn't know that SAP was doing all these things. And so we started this conversation, which is now still ongoing with that company about their entire landscape, which is using a lot of different solutions, also a lot of manual things to really build that into one, more, one platform. Um, because he was just not aware that... SAP was doing all these things. And right. so I find that quite interesting to uh, to hear. Absolutely, because I remember now, I am so glad I know better now. Just like you, Jasper, I also joined SAP as an intern. And uh, one of the first questions, and the VP who was interviewing me was very kind to be that forgiving, to not judge me by my ignorance. He said, why SAP? And I, of course, uh, shared my love for a global culture, a global company. That's where I always wanted to be. You know, that that's something which was very, very important to me. But the second thing I said, and I had just started learning the coursework for TERP. So basically, I started learning ERP in my school as a part of a supply chain course. And I said, I love the product. He's like, which product? And I was like, the product, the SAP product. And he's like, which one? You know, success factors. Do you like Ariba? Are you talking about the ERP? I'm like, yeah, that one, that one. He's like, oh, okay, great. Okay. So, and, and, you know, I'm so grateful that they looked past my ignorance and I still got my role and I, uh, you know, started on a career journey of a lifetime. But what you said is very, very important that folks, when they think about SAP, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, finance, ERP, but there is so much. And uh, now that I think about it, it's like when I, uh, often one of the icebreakers I have with customers, I was like, how many industries does SAP serve? 26. 
which is all of them. How many LOBs? All of them. So yeah, we have something for everyone. And we also have your favorite topic, intelligent technologies, right? And it's uh, injected and embedded in everything we do. It's not like a special like, oh, machine learning. Here, we use machine learning over there. Artificial intelligence is this fancy new thing. IoT, you get a special sensor. It is not like that. It's embedded. It's very seamless. That's what I love about it. And you used to inculcate that a lot in your presentation and you still do. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. There's a lot to say. Um, I think it's, you know, these buzzwords nowadays, um, you know, started years ago with machine learning and big data and then, you know, mobile solutions and sensor data and artificial intelligence. But, you know, people don't really care about, you know, that itself. It needs to have a business outcome, of course. And so if we can, you know, I'm thinking, for example, about scheduling. If you have, let's say, thousands of technicians and, you know, you need to send them to to your customers, let's say you're, you're a service provider, and, you know, you need to optimize that scheduling. If with thousands of technicians every day, they work, let's say, eight hours a day, they have to drive to the customer, you know, the customer needs to be aware of that. You know, you don't want to send one guy to, let's say, New York, and then the next day he has to go to another city. Right. You know, it needs to be optimized. And, um, you know, companies that do that, let's say, in more manual way takes a mm. lot of people a lot of people to plan that and it's not very you know the schedule is not optimized so if we then for example can use um our optimizer which is using ai yeah, yeah it's it's will thousands of orders will suddenly you know be be planned for the next couple of weeks with as minimal downtime as possible uh, making sure that you have the right people the right qualifications at the right place and, and things like that. So those are things that I find exciting. It's not just right. artificial intelligence for the sake of it. Exactly. Not machine learning for the sake of it, but really right. getting a business outcome out, out of that. And it yeah. applies to everything. Same thing with sensor data, IoT data. You know, you can walk around the plant and then <laughs> wait until smoke comes out or something. <laughs> or, or, you know, a lot of companies are actually have sensor data already, but, you know, either they're not using it or, you know, they can simply say we're doing more condition-based monitoring, just so waiting until something happens. Or, you know, if you apply machine learning to that, you can, a week or two weeks in advance, you can already get an alert from the system saying, hey, based on, you know, past IoT data, past maintenance records, it can make that correlation between when something went wrong what was the system telling us at that point in time? And with a certain percentage of certainty can say to you, hey, look, if you don't do something now, in a week from now, you might have an issue. <laughs> and then if companies then realize that it's actually not rocket science to do those things, because you know there's there are things out of the box and then you don't have to have a hundred data scientists within the company to build something like that. Right, um, absolutely, absolutely. No, that's a great point. You know, when you said that, okay, how, what kind of risk are you willing to take? Do you want to wait till, as you said, smoke is coming out of parts? Do, do we want to, to get to that point? Or do we want to be able to have data from sensors, alerts 
uh, that tell us like, okay, in a week, this is going to malfunction. Are you willing to take on the downtime or other risks that might, there can, can be all kinds of other problems that may arise from a malfunctioning part. Do you want to take care of it right now? Or do you want it to let it fester for it to grow into a much bigger problem? You know, when it comes to maintenance and asset management, I once read a book, which was like, don't sweat the small stuff. And I can understand the importance of that in our daily personal lives. We can't be worrying about the smallest little details, but when it comes to maintenance, yes, we do have to take care and we have to sweat the small stuff because the small stuff will add on, become big stuff really, really fast. And all of a sudden, our factory is not working for two days. And are we willing to take on the losses that are incurred because of that? And second thing, you brought up a great point about scheduling and the mobile aspect and the importance of having that connectivity, that seamlessness when it comes to scheduling, getting the right people to take care of the issues, you know, that's very important because uh, Jasper, like I recently bought a new home and uh, because of a winter freeze we had in Texas, some of our pipes were bursting. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. Right. So imagine my frustration, Jasper, when uh, somebody, uh, you know, technician after technician would come in and some were like, oh, actually, I am not, I don't have the right certification to do this part because this part of the wall is inside, but this part of uh, the pipe is on the outside and you need somebody else to, to break it before I can even touch it. And yeah. oh, wait, I need somebody else to close the wall. And Technician after technician coming in, and uh, it was a part of a certain warranty, which sounds cheaper, but I was writing checks for $175 for every visit for not getting anything done. And I'm like, why is this happening? And it was getting to the point when somebody said, oh, actually, I can take care of your piping issue, but there's a cabinet in front of it. We need somebody else to take off the cabinet before we can have somebody touch your pipe. So, you know, and I wish there was so, some machine learning, speaking of the customer's value or AI, or some modern scheduling, mobile applications, which actually made it so all these technician notes, they were exchanged. It was not on a piece of paper sitting in somebody's truck. And I'm the, the end customers, you know, having this level of frustration. The way it ended up being was that I was so frustrated by the end of it. I went on one of these uh, gig apps and got a separate technician, um, got a separate company, got it all done. And I was willing to pay extra do get that better customer experience instead of, you know, wasting my time and energy. And that goes on to show yeah. more value for our customers as well, that they will be, by investing in intelligent technologies, they will be making their end customers happier. Yeah, yeah it's it's true. I mean, it's, it's oftentimes we think about SAP when we talk about maintenance, like it's internal maintenance from your own equipment, your own machinery. Right. But it's oftentimes also, you know, a service towards your customers. Um, very recently as well, because you mentioned the home story, um, our washing machine broke down and, you know, very easily on, on the website of the place where we bought it, uh, it was a way to, um, to just like a self-service kind of app that they had. Just, mm. you could select, okay, on Tuesday between nine and 11, I'm home. So, uh, we could book that with, with, uh, with the technician. And then the guy, he came over like an hour, half an hour in advance. We got an email saying, hey, your technician is on the way. He'll be there soon. And then the guy was there. He had this application. I didn't really look at it. Um, but, uh, you know, he had everything that he needed. He knew what, to, you know, where to be. He knew what to do. He had to write spare parts with him. And I was like, you know, in terms of customer experience and, and, and service, this can count because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy. So yeah. next time I need to buy a washing machine, I know I'm getting good service with them. Right. And also, you know, if you think about um, 
about themselves if they have to send that same technician another time because he couldn't fix it the first time then you know that's a cost towards them as well right and, uh, yeah i was really amazed by that sometimes you see uh yeah i think we all have experiences in our personal life that exactly. go really good or re really bad and that was a really good one Absolutely. And, you know, you and I brought up both anecdotal examples of our own personal experiences and how we as service, maintenance service customers demand better. You know, you demanded that uh, or, you know, that seamlessness was something that was good for you, that that you are that's something that you would be looking forward to next time. That OK, that's the level of seamlessness I'm used to. I expect that. I demand that. Yeah. Same thing for me. In my example, I was willing to pay extra, much more extra that Please come to my home, fix it. If you can just to get it the, over with, yeah, yeah, to get it over with, to get a better service. I'm, I'm willing to put those extra dollars towards it. So th that was our anecdotal experiences. But you do work in this field. You talk to customers on a daily. So what are some of the overarching trends that you see when it comes to maintenance and asset management? How are things different today? How are what the customer demands different today than it was perhaps maybe a few years ago? Um, well, it's difficult for me to say how it was, let's say, 10 years ago, because <laughs> I've only been in this field for like three years. <laughs> um, but, you know, in that time, you get to meet a lot of customers and then you talk to a lot of people in the business and in IT. And you hear from, I, you know, in Belgium, we're a relatively small country. So I speak to utilities companies. I speak to manufacturers. I speak to, you know, a lot of different type of companies and mm -hmm. um you know overall there's still some things that that return um you know a lot of different tools and then solutions and then excels and paper and not integrated systems that's something that a lot of companies struggle with it's not only in maintenance of course mm -hmm. um but yeah i think what we see now and especially like last year or two with a lot of our customers is that they start thinking about maintenance as more of a strategic point of view they think they, they invest more in it they think about how can we you know for example identify what assets are really important to us if those break down what can be the impact on let's say our production but maybe also on the safety of our people or on the environment and you know choosing different strategies for those different types of equipments um yeah, they, they just that's the main thing that I see a, a strategic shift in how they think about maintenance in general, going from, let's say, more manual processes to, to let's say, mobile to really using the power that software has, because you have to look at it at a scale, right? If you are mm. a small company, you have five technicians, it's easy to schedule them manually. But right. if you have thousands, <laughs> you know. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and uh, Jasper, you spoke of this strategic shift, right? Uh, would you say, or in your experience, have you seen a difference in which perhaps the strategic shift has become even more accelerated as a result of COVID-related supply chain disruptions? Is that something you have observed? I think in general, COVID has, has definitely had an impact, you know, in general on supply chain. And a lot of companies start to realize more and more where their let's see, weak points are or where their where the, the potential issues lay. And yeah, and then in maintenance, yeah, they see the importance of, you know, for example, when, when you can optimize your scheduling, if suddenly people have to go into quarantine, which happens all the time lately, 
um, things like that, or if certain equipments break down, or yeah, or you're not getting, you know, supplies to actually run your conveyor yeah. belts and stuff like that, then it becomes really important to, you know, even on the downtimes to keep producing and making sure that you have that uptime, things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that, you know, you shared with us uh, one customer example of how they had a certain perception, and now that perception changed as a result of the event in which you spoke to them and shared with us, uh, shared with them the vast portfolio that SAP has of solutions, that seamless solutions, which talk to each other, that one-stop shop for our customers. So Jasper. Do you have any other customer success stories in which you were able to create a use case for them, in which you were able to create that red thread for them and help them with their digital transformation? A lot of yeah, really interesting customer stories, uh, a lot of engagements that we have. So it's difficult to pick a few or just mention them here because you know in being in pre-sales, yes. you give a presentation or a demo today. It's not like they buy the solution next week or they immediately implement it. So oftentimes customers start with a proof of concept and then maybe just in one plant and then they expand. So it's often an ongoing thing. Right. Um, maybe because we have a lot of utilities companies in Belgium and Luxembourg, one really uh, nice uh, use case that I that I like is uh, with, with trains. Um, so imagine you have a train I don't know how many hundreds of wheels there are on a train, um, but oftentimes these wheels, it's really important to, to keep them in good shape. Mm. So what a lot of uh, train companies do is they have people manually inspecting all of those wheels. Oh my God, so you, individually? You imagine, yeah, individually, yeah. So wow. person walking around the train. Um, and we went to a, a service station um, to, to have a look at how they actually work on those trains because, you know, you have graffiti on the trains, you have those, the things on top of the, the train as well uh, that they yeah. have to have a look at that touch the, the electric wiring above. So really interesting to then go with the customer to their premises and see how they do that. Um, but one of the, the cases on where they are using technologies, which is like what I'm really interested, what makes me exciting about it, um, is that you know you have to do these manual checks of all of these wheels for thousands of trains right. it takes a lot of time a lot of manpower um it's all not always the most accurate as well because you know we, you know we have the human error factor as well right and one of uh, our customers is actually um using you know uh, uh computer vision so cameras along this along the tracks that you know when the train drives by you know at a 50 or 100 kilometers an hour it takes like a burst of pictures, so in really wow. high frequency. And, you know, so we have pictures of basically all the wheels on the train. And then mm. it uses computer vision and artificial intelligence to identify where there are problems on those wheels. So, you know, with a, with a partner, with, with another, uh, uh, with, a, with a partnership that we have with another company, um, because we are, not, we are not selling the cameras, right? As, <laughs> as SAP, we're, we're providing the software. From going to, you know, manually inspecting all those wheels on a, on a frequent basis to just, you know, on the tracks, there's cameras, train drive, drives by, the camera takes a lot of pictures and that those pictures get analyzed. And it says, you know, with 99% certainty, this wheel is having an issue. So replace it. 
Um, so those kind of stories makes me uh, you know, excited because we, we can apply those technologies. Maybe another uh, story that I also really liked, it's uh, an ongoing uh, thing here. Uh, you know, you have water providers, right, in, in every country. Mm -hmm. And the pipelines in the ground uh, that actually get the drinking water towards us, uh, to our, all of our homes. But in every country, those are, yeah, you know, they've been... <laughs> In the in the ground for for many many years, right? And so you know, uh, corrosion and, and other issues happen um, that they are causing leaks. And there's numbers about it for every country how many millions and billions of water liters of water that you know actually go to waste. Wow! And so one of our customers is um, trying to you know with with sensor data, with machine learning to identify if there are like pressure drops, seeing where those issues arise so they can act faster on them and. Those things that really also touch ourselves, because like in Belgium in the summer we have issues with uh, with, with water. Uh, so yeah, then the government tells us you cannot uh, water your car or your garden yeah, and yeah. things like that. And um, you know, seeing how we with technology or with software can help solve part of that issue, at least prevent a part of the waste, mm. is uh, is something that I also really uh, like, where it touches our own life. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, what you, these two examples that you just shared with us, they make intelligent technologies very real, very relatable, right? A lot of times people think, oh, machine learning, artificial intelligence is a cool, uh, it's a cool far away concept. How would it help me? It's, it's like the world of Jetsons. People often think of it like that, but it, it's, it's really not. It's happening today and it can be used today. Like the example with the trains, right? What would you prefer? You can prefer a person who might be tired, who might be, you know, of course, prone to human error, going wheel after wheel after wheel after wheel after wheel, checking each of them, seeing is everything okay? Is it functioning correctly? Or you can have a, what uh, is a co-innovation pretty much with a partner in which you have a camera, which is taking these pictures, uh, so many frames of images, and then being able to analyze and with 99% certainty say, okay, this is where the maintenance is needed. And the second example, again, really hits close to home since I had a piping issue too, <laughs> that with sensors, how about we predict at a much larger scale, a city scale, yeah. at a country scale that, okay, this is where issues could arise and water is not a luxury, right? This, that's something we need yeah, for our yeah. survival. And what is more real than that? We all take a lot of these technologies for granted in our personal life, right? Let, let's mm -hmm. say, just, just one example, let's say you're driving at night and you know you're it's a long ride and you're dozing off a little bit <laughs> that that your car is tracking your eye movement that you're not yeah. falling asleep or maybe you're going over the line a little bit that you know your car knows that and right. you take all of those things for granted or like things like facial recognition on your phone and stuff like that but then yeah. in business it's sometimes funny to see it's not yeah. just in maintenance it's it's in general how far some companies are behind you adapting right. those technologies and it's not until they can see those real use cases that right. they think start thinking about it okay yeah maybe let's look at some of these 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 solutions some of these uh, technologies no no great point because you know it's like if anybody says oh we don't need machine learning well does your inbox not have a spam filter what do you think that is I did not manually say, oh, this is spam, this is spam, this is spam. There is some sort of artificial intelligence behind the scenes that's at work, right? So we use it every day. 
it's a part of us. We use it a lot in our personal lives. So why shy away when there is a business benefit, a proven business benefit, a relatable real business benefit to implement it in your business side as well? You know, either get on board or get left behind. So, you know, that that's all very, very characteristic, exactly what I would expect from you since at the beginning of the podcast, I did say that you were recognized by your peers as being an innovator when you were in pre-sales academy. And Jasper on the SAP Experts podcast, we have a global audience and there might be many other emerging talents also listening today to us as well. So why don't you share what brought you to SAP and just share your journey so far with us? I joined SAP yeah, three and a half years ago. Uh, actually, uh, I started uh, after an internship uh, during my studies. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, as a student, you don't really know SAP, let's say. You never really used an SAP system. So I found the way, you know, getting to know the company through an internship was really interesting for me and getting to know the culture as well, because, you know, it's a... Uh, an important aspect of, of you know, your work-life balance and then how happy you are in life is, of course, your job as well. Right. Um, so it was really nice to get to know the company already. And then, yeah, with the pre-sales academy, um, you know, having the chance to go to California for, for half a year with so many people from all around the world and getting the training from all the experts, um, that was really, really, you know, really valuable. I'm very, very grateful for that opportunity. And ever since, yeah, the last three and a half years uh, working in Belgium uh, as a solution advisor, it's really interesting to talk to all of these companies because, as I said, in Belgium, it's, it's small. We're not like very industry focused. Um, so I touch all of these different companies. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to just, you know, from the moment you first have an engagement to the customer trying to uh, to understand what they are doing, what they're trying to do, where their issues are, how their processes look like. Great. And then all the way, like, you know, when it's it's implemented and they're using it and then they're seeing the benefits from it, being able to be part of that entire entire cycle is, is really fun. Um, that's what I also like about pre-sales in general, that you get to be part of it from the basically moment it starts to the all the way in, in the end and then, and then right. they come back to us and say, okay, you know, there's other things that we're interested in. And, and exactly, you know, happy customers are uh, what we do it for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Because uh, you mentioned this earlier as well, that it's not like, okay, I do a demo and tomorrow uh, we sell the software and we go, bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for the business. Right. It, it's an ongoing relationship, especially when yeah. it comes to the role of uh, a solution advisor. Uh, we are there from the beginning, being a trusted advisor sharing the solutions which make the most sense for them because at the end of the day, we don't want to sell shelfware either, oh. right? Things that would add actual value. And once that is done, what's next? Where are the other inefficiencies in your system? Where would you like to be? What are your goals? You know, you, there's one thing to, okay, I took care of my challenges. I took care of my inefficiencies, but is this where you want to be or what's the next step? Where do you see the company being? What are your yeah. overarching goals? Where can we be a trusted advisor, a guide in you for achieving those goals? Tell us more about that, Jasper. Well, I, I like that you mentioned trusted advisor. I think that's a big change also in general in software because yeah, it's, it's more and more cloud. So indeed, 20, 30 years ago, you, you know, SAP and, and other companies, you sold software. 
and that was the end of it. Of course, yeah, you still have maintenance and things like that, but now it's you know it's it's yearly contracts, um, and if the customer is not seeing the benefits of it, you know they can decide to to stop it. Um, so I think that's a really important aspect of our role as an as a pre-sales or a solution advisor or a, you know a trusted advisor that. A year later, if the customer has implemented it and they're using it and they're not happy about it, it's up to us to identify also, you know, how can we improve it or, you know, it and it starts from the beginning, being able to identify the right solution because that's something you always you all you 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 uh, you see as well. Simply sometimes wrong solutions uh, that customers have, um, and even though maybe the solution itself is good, but it's not. Not for them. Point with, it's not for them. Um, and so, yeah, it, that, that change from just selling software to ongoing and then and, and having a long-term relationship with a customer is something that I also really like because you get to know the people at the company and they trust you as well because, you know, let's be honest, you also have salespeople that come and go and they want to sell software, which is, you know, it, it's normal in the end, but, yeah, you know, that realization that, if a customer is, is happy and they're seeing the benefits from it a year from now, two years from now, they have that trust in SAP and the company and in you as a, as a person to advise them what is the best. And that comes, sometimes can be that we say, okay, look for this specific use case. You know, you're not going to get a major benefit from using this, or maybe yeah. it will be too much of an effort to do this with your current landscape. And so, yeah, it's an ongoing thing, right? Um, and that's, it, that's, it that's exciting. Is. Yeah, it absolutely is. And yeah, the importance of having those ethics in place is very, very important. Like you mentioned, okay, like what would be actually be useful to the customer, not just like piling on, piling on, increasing the bomb. <laughs> we don't want that because a year later they'll be still here and they'll be asking us questions. And with that, you know, you did mention the sales and that ongoing relationship. It is Q for Jasper and. We know what Q4 means. It's crunch time, right? So any <laughs> advice for your peers, whether they're in sales, whether they're solution advisors like you, or perhaps they're in our partner network. So any advice on how to finish Q4 strong? I would say by the end of Q4, most of my job should have already been done. And it's more up to the sales to, to start closing the deals. Um, but yeah, in general, for, for let's say my fellow uh, solution advisors, I think what we just talked about, being a trusted advisor is, is what I like most. Um, I recently saw, saw a survey, I think it was on uh, on LinkedIn, one of those polls mm -hmm. saying like, who do you trust within, let's say, uh, in a sales cycle? Right. And, you know, pre-sales stood out with, with the vast majority of those votes. And that's what I enjoy about the job. And I think... If you can earn that trust with a customer and you advise them, you know, you help them, you, you try to understand their processes and then identify how we could help them and what benefits they could have. And then following that up, making sure that, you know, once it's implemented, that all of that is going well, um, you earn their trust and then it's, it's a completely different relationship. It's not just, you're not selling them software. You're, you know, it's a, it's a mutual relationship um, and you're both benefiting from it, I would say. Absolutely. And in fact, thinking back to my solution advisory career, 
a big chunk of that was also to help our existing customers to help with adoption uh, you know okay fine we purchase a solution now what to help close that chasm so yeah all that to say that yes i agree being the trusted advisor is what a solution advisor does whether it's q4 whether it's q1 whether it's any time of the year that's what we keep doing it's an ongoing cycle it's not like we're not quota driven so with that jasper thank you so much for joining me today at sap experts podcast anything we haven't covered so far that you would like to share with our audience and where can our audience follow you so that they can keep up with all the innovative new things fun things that you're up to in the world of maintenance and asset management and in s4hana general um i would say on linkedin um i do often post you know interesting articles or blogs there about different yeah, trends in maintenance and and solutions from sap um and in general you know if people have questions or they want some information on on specific topics that uh you know are in the area of maintenance they they can always reach out to me directly and uh, happy to put them in touch with the right person or provide them that information directly awesome awesome well jasper it was such a pleasure having you here and my apologies to you sincerely because i kept switching between jasper and jasper throughout <laughs> the podcast but i know what your real name is and that is innovator so thank you so much for joining me today <laughs> yeah thank you very much it was a pleasure uh, and thank you for having me